Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. A few years ago, we were on vacation up in Erie, Pennsylvania, up at Lake Erie, and just, you know, we're at the beach. I'm on vacation. Yeah, there's a beach. <laughs> it's a great beach in Erie, Pennsylvania. Starting to turn into a travel ad for the Keystone State. There's a, there's a beach there. Um, and so we're playing at the beach. I'm playing with my kids. We're swimming, you know, just doing vacation stuff. And I'm playing with two of my girls, uh, Ruby and Sadie. And we're, we're swimming around. We're playing. And I don't know how we got to this point in our, our playing in the water. But somehow, I ended up in their arms. They're kind of like cradling me like a baby. One, one on each side. I asked them if they'd be willing to demonstrate. They said no. We're still a hard no. Still a no. I, no, where Ruby even went. So, so I, I asked them to demonstrate. They said, <laughs> they said no. But so I, I don't know how we got to that point. But you know, as a parent, it was one of those moments where it's just we were having so much fun. It was like a, a, a sweet memory in my mind. I don't know how we got into that position. But, but for a long time, they carried me around in the water. I, I mean, at least 45 minutes. It might have been an hour or long, a long time. And it was just so silly and so ridiculous. Like, almost the entire time, we're just laughing. You know, laughing hard. And they're, they're just cradling me. We're walking around in the water. Other people are looking. Every once in a while, a wave goes over my face. And I'm, they're, you know halfway drowning me. There's just the whole thing was, was so ridiculous. I mean, the whole, for, for, you know, an hour or more, they're just carrying me around and we're just laughing and having so much, so much fun. You know, when I asked them about, about demonstrating this and they told me no, I said, come on, come pick me up like you did that, that day. And so we're at my house a couple of days ago and they, they get on each side of me and they, they, you know, grunted and picked me, picked me up and maybe carried me 10 feet and then plopped me down, walked. I said, come on, guys, you can carry me further, further than that. That one day you carried me for like over, over an hour. And then one of them said, yeah, but that was different. That, that was in the water. We were in the water then. And I said, exactly, exactly. What, what was difficult, what was hard to do, where there was strain, there was uh, zero, <laughs> zero enjoyment on, on their part, and to carry me around like that for an hour or more, it, it's, it, it wasn't even possible on land. Well, there's a, another realm that in the water where the same thing that was hard, there was striving, there was strain, there was difficulty, there was impossibility. You step into another realm and all that hardship is gone and what was difficult, hard, impossible becomes easy and fun and joyful and possible. You, you could do what you couldn't do in one realm very easily in, in the other realm. My, my youngest daughter, she can't, she can't lift me at all, right? She could strive and strain and, you know, put her arms around me and try to lift me. All of her effort is going to be in vain on dry land, but put us in, in water and she can pick me up. And you've experienced the same thing. You know, you can, you know, carry people around and all that kind, all that kind of stuff. I want you to keep that in your mind. Not so much me in a swimsuit being carried like a, <laughs> being carried as an infant. That's going to be uh, very difficult to receive from me if that's how you're <laughs> imagining me being carried as a baby. But that, that, <laughs> that idea of these two realms, one where things are difficult, if not impossible, 
in this other realm, which were things that were impossible become easy and enjoyable and light and impossible because there's a parallel between being naturally minded and being spiritually minded about being people of, of faith. And it's all through the Bible. I'll give you several examples where Jesus kind of talks about these two realms that people can operate in. One is a realm of unbelief where things are, you, you don't see the miraculous. It, it, it just stays in that impossible realm. And another realm that you can step into by belief, by faith, where there's no such thing as impossible anymore. Let, let me read you from Mark chapter six, verse five. I'll, I'll just read a couple of passages. I'll have you turn to one here in a minute. Mark chapter six, verse five, it says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus, Jesus, is, is ministering in his hometown and it's talking about he's, he's in a realm, he's in an environment where the miraculous can't take place and it's directly uh, attributed to what? Because of their unbelief, because they were insisting on operating on land, that the miraculous, the miraculous couldn't happen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus is like drawing a line here, giving us like a, a shoreline, just to keep with that analogy, of two realms. One, where things are impossible with man, just naturally minded. There's so many things we could talk about. That's impossible. That could never happen. There's no way we'd ever see that. You could never experience that. It's, it's, it's just impossible. But with God in this other realm, when God's in the picture, when God's in our lives, God's in the equation, that impossible ceases to be a thing because all things, are possible. Everything is possible. Nothing, nothing is an impossibility. All things are possible. What, what is that realm? It's with, with God. When, when God is with us, so how do we access that realm? It's, it's by faith. Let me read you from Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the good news, the, the gospel, the good news of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And what's the power of God do? It says it saves everyone who does what? How do you experience the saving? Everyone who believes, believes what allows you to experience the saving. And we think of that as, as salvation, and that's part of it, but that word means to deliver. It means to rescue. So it depends what you need rescued from. It depends what you need saved from. The power of God is able to do it. Whatever you need rescued from, whatever you need saved from. Maybe there's people here, you need, you need saved, rescued from sin. The power of God, the good news about what Jesus has made available is able to save you. There's some some people here, maybe you need rescued from a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe you need saved, rescued, delivered from cancer, from oppression, from depression, from fear, from anxiety, whatever it is that you need rescued from, there's a power that, that's well able to do it. And it, it's the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus providing what? You get yourself offshore and get into that other realm with God. And the way that we do that, the way that we access it is what? By, by believing, by faith. Listen to the rest of this verse. Verse 17, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Being linked up with God 
accepting him as savior all the way through from start to finish. My connection with God, that, that realm where all things are possible with God, it's accomplished from start to finish by faith, right? That's how, that's how we are linked. That's how we are, are with God. A few chapters later in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 16, it says, for if, now, just in context, he's talking about the difference between Jews and Gentiles, the people of God being linked up, being able to be the people of God, to know the power of God, the goodness of God, fellowship with God. And he's talking about how, how Jewish people, there's branches that have been removed so that Gentiles, people like you and I, in this analogy, we're, we're wild olive branches. We can be grafted in. We can be grafted in. Okay, so that's, that's the analogy he's working from. Romans eleven sixteen. it says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, that's me and you, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand, or you're linked up, you're connected, how? By, by faith. By faith, you and I have been grafted in, and it says that we've been made partakers of, of the fatness. That word means the richness. Some translations say the sap, that we're, we're partakers now. It can flow in our lives. The goodness of God, the power of God, the fatness, the richness, his power, his supply, his ability flowing in our lives, that we've been, we've been linked up, that the sap, the anointing of God flowing in our lives. How are we linked up? How does that flow in our lives that we're linked up by faith? And he compares other people who have been disengaged, and why are they disengaged? Unbelief. Where they don't believe, where you don't believe the word of God, then there's a disconnect, and what is flowing from that root you no longer have access to. But as long as our faith is engaged, then the power of God, the goodness of God can flow in our lives. Amen? So it's by faith. It's by faith that we're linked up to that realm where all things are possible because the power of God is in us and with us and for us, not against us. It's by faith. Faith is the most important principle in the word of God because the work that God does in our lives, salvation, it's from start to finish by faith. It's the most important principle because the principles of the kingdom are mysterious. They're mysteries, right? So, so we could talk on and on about how things work differently in the kingdom of God than, than the natural mind, right? So if I, if, I want, if I want to be great in the kingdom, what do I need to do? I need to, I need to be a, make myself a servant. In fact, Jesus said, make myself a slave of all. Well, that, that's not the way the natural mind works. So to be able to engage with these principles, if I want to be refreshed, what's the Bible tell me to do? 
trying to refresh myself, just get people to care for me. No, 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 no. Refresh others and, and I'll be refreshed. If I want God to lift me higher, what do I need to do? I need to humble myself and go down. In the natural mind, it's better to get stuff. No, no. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. So all, all of these kinds of principles where things work backwards, you've, you've got to have faith to access any one of them because you're not, you're not going to prove them out in the natural mind that they go counter. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. So if I don't have faith right off the bat, I'm disengaged from the promises of God. Now you can apply that generally, but you can also apply that specifically to different promises and applications from the word of God that if there's certain parts you don't, you don't believe, you've cut yourself off from the flow of the fatness, the sap that would produce fruit in your life according to that promise. If you have your Bible, turn to, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Pastor Chad already quoted from it. Most of you know this story. We've talked about it a couple times recently. We won't read the entire thing, but this is a story where Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. While he's up there, a man brings his son to his disciples for them to be healed. The disciples pray for him. He's not healed. So kind of a discussion, an argument breaks out. When Jesus comes down off the mountain, he sees people arguing. And so that's where we pick up. That's where we pick up the story. Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asks. So this is he's seeing the, the people arguing as he comes down. Verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you. I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now we'll, we'll read more of this story, but this, this is very, very important. Now, I want you to get this because people will develop their, their belief, which is important because that's how you move from the, the shore. That determines where you stand, what realm you're in. They'll, they'll determine their belief, their doctrine about healing and God's perspective on healing. They'll determine that from experience instead of from the word of God. So you've got a situation here where this guy brings his son to be healed. And the disciples, this, this is uh, generation one disciples, first choice. The guys that were with Jesus, his ministry partners, the ones that, that he walked around with, traveled. This is like the, the inner crew. These are his guys. The disciples of Jesus prayed for this boy and, and nothing happened. Now, a lot of people would take that and just begin to build a doctrine around it that it's not always God's will to heal. You know, sometimes he heals people, sometimes he doesn't, you know, and there's it just, it goes from experience. And I know, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically. I know there's a lot of people that think this way, believe this way, teach this way, and, and I'll even give them the benefit of the doubt that they're well-meaning when they talk about, hey, it's, it's not always God's will to heal. You got to be kind of got to be realistic and just bring our, you know, 
tone down the faith a little bit. The problem is that they have no scripture to stand on. There, there's no verse to back that up. And you, 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 you accept and receive the, the fat, the richness, how did, by faith, right? How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, not people's opinions, not people's experiences, not people's thoughts, not people's perspective, not people's own conjectures and ideas that they come up with. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. That, that's where faith comes from, that moves you off of the shore into the water where all things can become possible. And it, it's a problem when people start just injecting their own ideas and attributing them to the word of God because there is no scripture to back that up. Healing is God's will for you. You know, you know you, when you start trying to find scriptures, you, there's lots and lots of verses that let us know that healing belongs to us. God, God provides it for us. Well, what about people that don't experience it? There's people that don't experience a lot of God's blessings. We don't throw out the blessings. Does God want everyone to be saved? Yes. Is everyone saved? No. Does God, does God pick and choose? He, he wants everyone to have a good marriage. There's Christians that don't have good marriages. Well, I guess he doesn't want, no, no. You, you, you can't begin to interpret it according to just your own experience and, and those kinds of things. And who are we supposed to represent anyway? We're supposed to represent Jesus, right? So in fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, the first two verses of the book of Hebrews says that God has spoken in various ways through the prophets, but now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son, that God speaks to us from the life of Jesus. When you look at the life of Jesus, there is never anyone that came to him for healing and was turned away. It was, they always healed them. He healed them all, every single person. And if that's not the desire of the father, then the Bible's deceptive in nature because it presents it as if it's that way, that every time there's multitudes. And Jesus, Jesus dealt with multitudes, not, not like 15, 20 people. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people would come. They'd bring out all the sick, all the lame, all the demon-possessed. And over and over and over again, he healed them all. He healed them. They're, whatever people's understanding of that healing isn't for everyone, how come Jesus never, never encountered one single person that healing wasn't, wasn't for them? So when people talk that way, uh, you know, healing isn't for everyone. Chapter and verse, please. Yeah. Chapter and verse. I mean, show me from Scripture because it's got, it's, what, what does the Bible have to say about it? The Bible says Psalm 103. Don't forget, don't forget his benefits. He forgives all of our sins and he heals all of our, all of our disease. That, that's what the Bible says. You, you've got to reinterpret it and tweak it down to your experience. And, and the, the, the reason this irritates me is because it robs people. It, it robs people. What, what if you applied that to salvation? You got to have faith to be saved, but you know what? Not every, salvation isn't for everyone. So who has who has faith to be? People could people would lose the ability to experience salvation if you started preaching that it wasn't for everyone. You would undermine undermine the faith, and that's where st stuff starts to get weird and cultic, where people have to start trying to earn and prove themselves and jump through hoops to try to be one of the chosen ones that God would choose. That's where things get off. The same thing happens with healing when you don't understand it is God's will. He has provided. It's linked up with salvation in the atonement. It's for anyone who believes. Healing is for everybody. Isaiah 53. He carried our sicknesses and he bore our pain. Who's our? You're going to have to reinterpret and leave people out. Who's the Bible written to? You're going to have to start changing who the Bible is directed at. Well, that, that verse isn't really for you. That's just, no, our, our, our. And by his stripes, we 
which this passage is quoted multiple times in the New Testament, by the way. By his stripes, we, we are healed. You can't start picking people to leave out of the we. Who are you to determine that anyway? You can't start saying these people are excluded and sometimes these. No, the Bible says we are healed by the stripes, by the stripes of Jesus. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 22, talks about incline your ear to my word. Don't let them depart from, your eye, from God's word, not people's word, not people's opinion. Incline your ear to the word of God. Don't let them depart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they're life. They're life to all who find them and healing to all of their flesh. So, I mean, it's, it's not even get theoretical and spiritual about it. It, it lets us know specifically healing for your flesh, healing for your body, your joints, your knees, your liver, whatever it is, healing for that. It's the, the word of God brings provision. He sent forth his word and he healed them. We could go on and on. The Bible lets us know healing is, healing is available. So when people are supposed to represent God and they start putting their own, you know, I don't believe healing's, healing's for everyone. I don't really care. <laughs> I, I want to hear about him. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about your experience. Tell me about God. Tell me about Jesus. He's how God speaks to us. Keep your other nonsense to yourself because it, it robs people. Let's just stick to what the word says and let's go by the word, the word of God. I've recently found this verse and it's quickly becoming one of, one of my favorite verses. Psalm 11 verse one, it says, I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? I trust in the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord. So don't, don't say that to me. Why would you say that? You bet, well, you better be you know, realistic. You better tone down your faith. You better make a, a, a provision for others. Don't, don't even say that to me. I trust in the Lord for my protection. Don't, don't start telling me about a backup plan or why it's not going to work or, or why it doesn't apply to some people. I trust in the Lord for my protection, for my provision, for, for my healing. Don't, don't you tell me I need to fly, fly to the mountains like a bird to seek protection from them. Well, I'm, to, I'm telling you, I'm seeking the Lord. My trust is in him. That, that's the kind of attitude we have to have. Not, not to be rude, but to protect our faith. Don't, don't even say that to me. Find someone else. Don't say to me that I, I need to make a backup plan. My trust is in the Lord. And, and your humanistic wisdom is a, a, it's a lie from the enemy, really. And again, I know people have good, good intentions, so I'm not coming against people. I'm coming against the mindset, that, that lie from the enemy. It, 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 it's a thief. It robs people from what God's provided by, by his stripes. We're healed. Verse 20. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father, which Jesus is so cool. Uh, if you... If you he doesn't allow the devil to determine and dictate how he's going to operate. I feel like he didn't even care about the answer to this question. He's just showing that that doesn't bother him. This boy falls to the ground. He's writhing. He's foaming. How long have you been doing that? <laughs> just to show, like, he's not, he's not moved by it. This is an easy solution. I'm not, I'm not impressed by what the enemy's able to make him do. Enemy's made him so sick. Huh. Look at that. How long you done that little foaming thing? <laughs> anyway, it just, I mean, just, he's just so cool. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. 
Since he was a little boy, the Spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person if a person believes, Jesus doesn't show any respect to the impossible. You know why? Because he knows it, it doesn't exist. What do you mean if I can't? Anything is possible if a person will believe. He shows no respect to impossibility because he knows there's no such thing as impossibility. When you've gotten yourself off the shore and into the water, into the realm of faith, all things are possible. Jesus understood that, so he didn't cower. He he didn't show any respect to what people deem impossible. I, I don't know when you raise your kids, if your kids, you know, or... If your parents taught you, you know, that Santa Claus is real and the Easter Bunny's real and all, all those kinds of things, we, we didn't teach our kids that. They knew Santa Claus wasn't real and the Easter Bunny wasn't real. But for some reason, we, we by we, I probably mean me, kind of leaned into the tooth fairy thing a little bit. And I was the tooth fairy. So for a while, we would you know, hey, you better get to bed. You know, the tooth fairy's coming tonight. You lost the tooth. You got to put it under your pillow. The tooth fairy's going to bring you money and try, try to leverage that uh, a little bit. And it would work until, until they realized that there is no tooth fairy, right? And then there's no respect given. You should probably get to sleep because tooth fairy might come tonight. Dad, there's no tooth fairy. Ah, once, once they don't believe in it anymore, the, the respect and the leverage is, is gone. You, you, you can't use that anymore in someone's life that knows that's not even a thing. And that's the way Jesus is operating here. He knows that there is a realm where all things are possible, and that's where he was choosing to live and to operate. What do you mean, if I can? All things are possible. I'm not showing any respect. Oh, that's a tough one. Look at the boy writhing around. This is going to be a really difficult case. What do you mean, if I can? All things are are possible to those who believe. There is a realm that you and I can live in where what is undoable becomes doable. What's unexperienceable becomes experienceable. It's all through the Bible. Things that you can't say. People said like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand before King Nebuchadnezzar and say, you can play the music all that you want. I'm not going to bow down to that thing no matter what you do. And I serve a God who is able to deliver. Go ahead and throw me in the furnace. I believe my God is able to. You can't talk to a king. You can't say that kind of stuff. They did, and they experienced exactly what they said would happen. There's a realm where you can defeat the undefeatable. There's a realm where you can dare the undareable. But like Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on, walking on water, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water and engage his faith, swung his legs over the side of that boat. And as long as he was focused on Jesus and not what the guys were saying in the boat, not with the wind and the waves, he was able to do what otherwise can't be done. David. The little shepherd boy, defeating, literally, the undefeatable. That, that was Goliath's whole thing. 
He was a giant. He was a monster. He'd been destroying people from the time David was even born. David's just a little shepherd boy. But he went out. He was able to defeat the undefeatable. How? By faith. Faith put him in that realm where you can do what otherwise can't be done. So he went out to to Goliath and said, I'm not coming at you with a, a shield and a spear and a sword, all those kinds of things. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. And then he began to say things. You don't say this to a giant, a trained killing machine. He said, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut off your head with your own sword and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. He, He was saying stuff. You don't say that unless you're operating in this other realm. It allows you to think the unthinkable. Look at Abraham. Abraham, it says he didn't consider the deadness of his body. He wasn't thinking like that or the deadness of his wife's womb. What was he thinking about? He was thinking about the promises of God and how he who promises well able to do. He's able to perform what he told me he was going to do. That's what he was thinking about. He was thinking at 100 years old, he's thinking about stuff that you don't think about at 100 years old. I wonder what I'm going to name this kid. I think, I think my wife, she's, looking, she's got that glow about her. I think, I think we're expecting, ah, what's it going to be like to teach him to shave or you know, whatever they did back then? I'm going to teach this kid how to, how to fish. He was thinking about stuff that you don't think about at 100 years. Why? Because he was walking by faith. There is a realm off the shore into a realm where you can do what otherwise can't be done. That's what Jesus, he didn't say it was just for him. He said it's for anyone. He throws that out there. It's a wide net. Anyone who believes, not just me because I'm the son of God. All things are possible to those who believe. 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me get off the shore and into the water. Help me get out of this realm and into that realm. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Just as a a quick aside, that's the way you pray for sickness. That's the way you deal with it. You don't beg, you command. When you look at the life of Jesus, well, that was Jesus. He's our example. He's our example. When you look at the early church, when you look at the apostles, there is no, Father, we beseech you on behalf of sister, sister so-and-so. You know what a good saint she's been and you know all the things that she's done. Have mercy. That, that you deal. You have authority. You use the authority. Jesus rebuked the sickness. He rebuked the evil spirit that was, that was causing it. Leave him and don't you ever come back. He took authority over it, and he's an example for you and I. You and I have been given authority. When we pray in just a little bit, that's the way we pray. Jesus never went to the Father about sickness. The, the, the apostles never went to the Father about sickness. Father, you know what a horrible disease this is. Went, went, went right, right to it. To cast it out. In Jesus' name, I command you, foul devil, take your hands off this boy. Fever, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. That, that's the way that they handled it. Turn your Bible, flip over a page to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, again, a story you're familiar with. Jesus went to a fig tree. There was no figs on it. We talked about this, this idea of fruitfulness. Jesus has an expectation of fruitfulness. No figs on the tree, so he, he curses it. We'll pick up the story the next morning. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. 
Peter remembered that Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Jesus even prefaces this by saying, I'm telling you the truth. He's not joking. He's not kidding around. He's not exaggerating. It's not a metaphor. It's not an analogy. It's, it's not a wishful thinking. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth that you can operate in such a way that whatever you say, you can command. This, this is moving heavy things, like, like, like me in the water. Like we talked about, moving things, that, that realm. And he said, I tell you the truth. So you know what that means? Anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you. They're, they're a liar. Whether they realize or not, you're lying. Well, not, not, that doesn't always happen. You can't, you can't really count on that. You're lying because Jesus is the one that told me the truth. That's a lie. It's not true. That I have the ability with God to move mountains. Well, no, not. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth, the truth, that you can say to this mountain, be picked up and move. That's something that doesn't happen in the natural realm, to be able to move something giant like that. It's the same thing. You know, I heard um, Reinhard Bonnke talk about when he, was, when he was a little boy, 11 or 12 years old, the, the German evangelist, he went down to the dock, down to the pier, and there was, you know, the boats were coming in and out, and there was, there was a big metal ship that was tied up to the pier, and, you know, he's a little boy, and it was tied up close enough that he could touch it, and he wanted to touch, touch this big boat, so he put his hand out, and he talks about he could feel the warmth of the sun on this, the metal hull of this ship. You know, he's an 11 or 12-year-old boy, so he started thinking, he decided he's going to put two hands on it, and just lean against it, and to his amazement, he, he was able to, that ship started to kind of move out a little bit just by the weight of this 11 or 12-year-old boy. Now, a ship like that weighs, I, I don't know how many thousands of, of, of tons. On, on land, there's no way, you could have a 1,000 11-year-old boys, they're not budging that thing at all. But you put it in this other realm, and what's immovable becomes movable. Jesus is talking about that exact thing, and that realm is accessed by faith. He says, if you believe in your heart and you don't doubt, I'm telling you, you can pray for how many things? You can pray for a couple like super holy. You can pray for anything. Anything. And it'll be done. If you believe that you receive it, you will. You will have it. That, that's what Jesus said. Now, we've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll repeat myself because it's important. Jesus said, you believe in your heart. You believe in your heart, not with your mind, because this, this is where people get messed up. Because you know in your mind it, it's a miracle, and so you think that you don't believe. I just don't see how that could happen. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe for that healing. I'm trying to believe for my marriage to be turned around. I'm, I'm really trying, but in my head, I know it's just, it's, there's no way for it to happen. Don't, don't let your head convince you that you're not in faith. That's what Jesus specifically said. You believe in your heart. Your head is built to be a logic machine. That's what it's for. It operates logically, at least most of our heads operate <laughs> logically. That's the way it's designed. It, it should operate somewhat, somewhat logically. The, 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 
miracle, by definition, doesn't follow logic in what's understanding in your head. So don't get discouraged that your head can't wrap around it because your head wasn't made for it. Jesus, if you believe in your heart and there's no doubt in your heart, forget the head. The head, of course, your head is made to recognize miracles. Uh, How many of you believe that Jesus was born to a virgin? You believe that. You don't believe it in your head. You don't understand it. I, I believe. I believe Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. I believe what the Bible says, right? Just like, just like you. I believe that. Do I understand it? I, I don't know how that happened. I don't understand. I, I know it was a work of God. The ins and outs, it's beyond me. I, I, how do you have a virgin give birth? It, it's, it's beyond my understanding, but it doesn't change the fact that I believe it in, in my heart. I don't have to submit everything to my, my logic machine because it's made to distinguish that is impossible, this is possible. That's what the Bible says. Don't lean on your understanding. Thank God for it. It helps us to function We need to have some common sense about daily life, but when it comes to the realm of the Spirit, when it comes to the things of God, it's it's a faith in your heart to believe, to believe in your heart. So one more passage of Scripture, then we'll pray. Matthew chapter 12. Still with me? Matthew chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 14. If we backed up, Jesus has just healed a man, the man with the withered hand. He says, stretch out your hand. The guy's hand becomes whole. That, that's just happened. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 12. It says, then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Why are they trying to plot how to kill him? He, he's, he's done this horrible thing of healing this man's hand. He he deserves to die. But Jesus, verse verse 15, but Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left the area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them. Jesus knew what they were planning. He leaves, and it says many people. I'm I'm reading for the New Living. If if you have the New King James Version or other more, more literal versions, it breaks down many people. That could mean all kinds of things. In the New King James Version, it says, it says many multitudes. What's it say? Holy smokes. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Great multitude. Now, a multitude is a lot of people, right? That's, that's a, lot of, a lot of people. A great multitude is like multitude doesn't even define it. We, we got to add some, some other word to explain. It is a great multitude, and even that doesn't do the job. It was plural of those. Great multitudes of, of people. And again, Jesus knew multitudes. When he, when he fed the 5,000, it says it wasn't including women and children. So experts believe it was 15,000 plus. So he understood like lots of people. Great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Not to get off on that again, but just to back that up, you can see all. Jesus healed them all. There wasn't one person in there. They were supposed to learn a lesson from their sickness or whatever the explanation people have in their mind. Not one person. And again, if that's not the way God operates, then Jesus shouldn't have operated that way. He speaks to us in these last days through, through his son. 
So he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. I, I want to read this prophecy. It, he quotes from the book of Isaiah. I want to read it in the King James Version. So verse 18, he's quoting from Isaiah. It says, behold my servant. Jesus is fulfilling this. He's fulfilling this prophecy as he lives out his life. So it's connecting. This is what Isaiah said about this guy, and he's fulfilling it. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. Jesus was pleasing to the Father. It was ple they healed him all. This is coming right off. He just healed the man with the withered hand. He just performed all these miracles in the multitudes. Man, my soul is pleased. This is what I like. This is what I want to see happen. It was pleasing to the Father in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. This is important. It says he'll show judgment to the Gentiles. Because when people think of judgment, usually you think of wrath and harshness and he's coming to be mean to people and let them know how displeasing and how ugly he thinks you are and what a mess your life is. But Jesus doesn't do that. He came to show judgment. Now it just depends on what that judgment is. Can anyone think of a Bible story where Jesus calls fire down on people or he, instead of healing withered hands, he withers them up. I know what you've done with those hands. Be withered. And they just lose their ability to do whatever. No. So, so he was showing judgment, but what was the judgment he came to show? He was judging on our behalf. When, when he was judging, he was judging against sickness, against disease, against oppression, against hardship in people's lives. He was lifting people. That the judgment of God, it, it's, it's good news. It's on, he's judged in your favor. He's ruled on your behalf. The judgment of God that he came to show us, God's not looking, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's not looking to hold our sins against us. He judged in your favor. He came to say, I don't want sickness on people. I don't want disease on people. I don't want hardship on people. I don't want demon spirits attacking people. I don't want families pulled apart. That was the judgment he came to reveal. That's the heart of God that was revealed in Jesus. He came to show judgment to the Gentiles. Verse 19, he will not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. He wasn't an emotional basket case, crying out and being all weird. He spoke calmly. He spoke with authority. Verse 20, a bruised reed he shall not break and smoking flax he shall not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory man that's a beautiful verse what a beautiful verse talking about Jesus how wonderful Jesus is how one all of the judgment wrath angry God's pretty ticked at you, you he's so, you're just so disgusting to him that's, that's not what we find in the life of Jesus people caught in the act of adultery I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. A bruised reed he shall not break, and smoldering flax he shall not quench. He's, he's not looking to shame people. He's not looking to rub their nose in their mistakes. Well, well you're sick. You know why you're sick, right? Some of those stupid decisions you made as a kid, pointing out your flight. He wasn't looking to do this. person's already struggling. They're already hurting. They're already in a bad situation. They're, they're bruised. He's not looking to crush them. They're, they're smoldering. They're, they're struggling. He's not looking to put out what little hope they have. He's looking to show judgment on their behalf, on, on their favor. He's a rescuer. He's a, he's a savior. That's what he does. That's who he is. Th think about it. If, if somebody is drowning, 
and there's a lifeguard that comes to save them, they, they don't swim out and start telling them, you know why this is happening, don't you? Because you never learned the doggy paddle. You ought to be ashamed. You can't even tread water. Look at you. You're going down right now. I, I can see. That, that's of no help. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Later on, get me out of here. Save me. Rescue me. J Jesus is a savior. He's a rescuer, a bruised reed. He's not looking to crush. He's looking to restore and help and set free and redeem and heal. That, that's what Jesus comes to do. Not to point out all the reasons why you ended up in this mess in the first place. Well, if you'd been a better husband, if you'd handled your finances, we can, we can learn those things later. What he's interested in right now is rescuing, is saving, is getting you out of that mess. That, that's the attitude that Jesus has towards you. So all those things, well, I probably kind of deserve this. That, that doesn't matter to Jesus. Well, you swam out there. You, you knew that was over your head. That's not the way that someone's interested in saving behaves towards a person that he's rescuing. Of, of course, it's probably their, pro, their, their fault that they ended up in that mess. That's not one of the criteria to get them out of that mess. A bruised reed he shall not break, and smoking flax he shall not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. It's judgment. He wants to see you walk in victory, healthy and strong and blessed. That's the judgment he wants to send forth over you. He's judging the things that are against you. God is for you, not against you. The things that are against you, that's what he's looking to judge. Judgment that brings forth victory in your life. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. Don't, don't say to me, you, you, you better place your trust someplace else. Amen? Verse 22. Man, we could, we could talk about that passage for a long time. Verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. You'll never guess what Jesus did. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Could it be? Could it be that this guy's the Messiah? Now, when the Jewish people thought about the Messiah, you know what they thought? This person's gonna come and make everything better. All this stuff I've been struggling with, what made, what's made life so hard and so difficult. Could this be the one? Could he come and fix everything? Could he make stuff right? That's the question people have in their hearts today. You talk about Jesus. There's, there's a wondering. All the things I've tried to do to find joy and freedom and satisfaction. Could he, could he be the one? If I really give my heart to Jesus, my life to Jesus, will he really fix everything? Is the, the, the gospel, the power of God, is it really able to, to change stuff around in my life? Is that judgment really in my, could it, could it be that he's the one I've been looking for this whole time? Some of us could give testimonies, myself included, of how miserable and empty, following pleasure and all those things left you. Could Jesus really be the answer? Could he really be the one? What was the answer? Could he be the Messiah? What was the answer? Yes, yes, he is the one. That's the answer for us too. Yes, Jesus is the one. Yes, he can fix whatever's wrong in your life. The power of God, able to rescue, able to save, able to restore. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you wonder on the inside, could he, could this be real? Could he really be the one that can make things better in my family, better in my marriage, better in my life, better in my emotions, better in my thought life, better in my finances, better in my health? Yes. Yes, he is the one. Could he be, could he be the one? In just a couple of minutes, I'm gonna give you an opportunity, if that's you, to accept Jesus as Savior 
and to experience firsthand. He is the one. Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the rescue. He is the one that can help you. He does make everything better. You, you can't overemphasize the goodness of God. You, you can't make him sound better than he is. Whatever I could say, it's not hyperbole. Well, you're kind of, you're getting carried away. Does Jesus, yes, yes. Verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. No wonder he can do this. He's actually in cahoots. <laughs> He's in cahoots with the devil. That's why they, they were accusing. They brought accusations. They were accusers. Watch people that accuse. When, when, when things are, are good, people try to find some ulterior motive, some little sneaky side uh, motive, something going on behind the scenes to discredit. They're, they accuse. They begin to bring accusations. The wonderful things that's happening in Jesus' life and ministry, people getting, you know what? I, secretly, I think he's like, I think he's working with the devil to do this kind of stuff. Accusations. You know who the accuser is? The devil is the accuser. The devil is the accuser. And when, when God dealt with the devil, the accuser, you know how he didn't try to, to reconcile things with him. How did he deal with the accuser? He kicked him out. You're just done. You're gone. You're out. There was no, let's, hey, I'm, I'm not a bad guy. When God dealt with an accuser, he just dismissed him. There's the door. You're gone. So don't make room for accusers in, in your life. That's, that's, a, that's another message. Verse 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. Well, that lets us know a couple of things. One is that Satan has a kingdom. Satan has a kingdom. And Jesus attributes all, all the sickness he's been dealing with, demon-possessed people, all these negative things, he attributes it to a manifestation of the devil's kingdom. That if I'm, if I'm working with the devil to destroy, to, to help people see and hear and cripple people be whole again and driving sickness and disease off of people, healing all the sick, if I'm working with the devil, then the devil's running his kingdom the wrong way. He attributes it to a manifestation of the kingdom of the devil. So it gives new light to the fact that we are to be people that advance the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. To seek first the kingdom of God. If sickness and disease is a manifestation of the devil's kingdom than a manifestation of God's kingdom. If I'm supposed to seek it, value it above anything else, then there, there, there's a practicality to that in people's life that we're supposed to seek for people to be restored and healthy and strong and blessed. That, that's seeking first the kingdom. These things matter. This isn't some side issue. This is a key part of the kingdom of God. It's a manifest, just like sickness and disease is a manifestation of the kingdom of the devil, healing wholeness, victory, is a manifestation of the kingdom of God that you and I are supposed to seek first with all of our heart, to seek it more than we seek anything else, to walk by faith, to be in that realm, that realm where all things are possible and not by sight. Now, when you walk by faith, things that are invisible become visible. They don't stay in the invisible realm. We move them from the invisible realm to the visible realm. That's why, that's why Abraham didn't just have a thought about a child. He had a child. Right? It wasn't just a faith for a child. It produced a child. Moses didn't have a wish in a dream to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He believed God, and he led the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. 
there's a manifestation. Amen? So we, we walk by faith. We walk in that realm. And we see things move from the invisible to the visible. Amen? Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.